Our New Testament reading today picks up with 2 John. Now, 2 John is probably written by John on the island of Patmos, okay, where he wrote the book of Revelation from. And when it talks about the elect lady, this is probably how he is talking about the local church, because the local church is called the Bride of Christ. All right, so let's get into this. The elder, he calls himself the elder. He is considered an elder in the church. Now, remember the concept of elder, which is presbyteros and bishop and shepherd, all of these are synonymous terms we see from the book of Acts. I think it's chapter 18, chapter 19. The elder, to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth. So notice the children of the local church. These are the members. The, the members are, are the children, whom I love in truth. Not only I, but also all who know the truth. All right, so everybody, all believers love believers because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace. All right, the grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. So grace, mercy, and peace is with us from the Father and from the Son. He said, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth. So he said, you've got church members who are walking in truth. Now, that is, that is a joy. This is, this is a pastor's joy. When you see people walking in truth, not, not off, you know, walking in compromise, not off walking in false doctrines, but walking in truth, just as we are commanded by the Father. Now, remember, walk in the Bible means to live. So living in truth. Now, that is a pastor's joy. I, you know, I've looked at members and I look at people that I've watched in the church, some of them for 40 years, over 40 years now. But the same thing is true with young people today. When you see young people that have really made a commitment to God and they're really living right, that is what causes a pastor to rejoice. Sometimes as pastors, we deal so much with people who are stumbling and falling, and we deal so much with rebellion and everything else. But to see people walking in truth, that, that puts a smile on your face all day long. When you watch somebody standing up for righteousness, when you watch a young person, you know, forgive me, losing opportunities because they chose to follow Jesus, when you see people just living the life and walking in truth, that's what brings a great joy to a pastor. And now I ask you, dear lady, uh, make that in blue. He said, now I ask you, dear lady. Now remember, dear lady is the local church. Not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one that we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Now, now here's this constant phrase that we love one another. He said, this is the commandment we've had from the beginning. And not just the beginning with Jesus. Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment. And you go back and remember when we went through Deuteronomy, we kept seeing that, that this is the commandment, love that you love one another. Wow. And this is love that we walk according to his commandments, all right? Here's that concept of walk 
again, that we live according to his commandments. And this is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. So here's walk again. Now, notice why he keeps talking about how to live. The reason now flows for or because many deceivers, not a few, many deceivers have gone out into the world. He said, you know, you just look around. Now, now remember, we are now in about 90 AD, all right? We're around 90 AD. So we're about 60 plus years after the cross. And in this one generation, many deceivers have gone out into the world. And he says, those who do not confess the coming of the Lord Jesus in the flesh. He says, such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. All right, now, who is a deceiver? An antichrist simply means against the anointed one. Who is that? A person who does not confess the coming of Jesus in the flesh. Now, there was a, one of the early heresies in the early church, something called doceticism. Let's see if I can remember how to spell it correctly. D-O-C-E-T-I-S-I-M. Doceticism. And that early, let's see, that early heresy said that Jesus looked like a human being, but Jesus was not a human being. So in other words, they denied the virgin birth. So there are people in those early heresies that not only denied the resurrection, but they denied the virgin birth. They had this idea that Jesus looked like a human, but he wasn't really human. Now, if that's true, then he's not our high priest. He's not the faithful high priest who has been tempted in all things just as we are. So this is a heresy, all right? This is a deception, and this is someone who is against, anti-Messiah, anti-the anointed one. He said, watch yourselves. Now, this, this is how you stand up against false doctrine, okay? How to overcome False doctrine. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Now, in other words, if you don't, if you don't overcome the work in their life is lost, everything that, that leaders have done in your life is lost. And <laughs> no full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching, teaching of Christ, does not have God. Whoever abides or lives in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Now, whoever goes on ahead, now let me show that to you in the NLT. Anyone who wanders away from this teaching 
has no relationship with God. Now, that's what it means to go on ahead. You, you wander ahead. You want to move ahead of the teaching. The, the teaching isn't juicy enough. The teaching isn't deep enough. So you want to get out into these, these new things that, that aren't true. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive them in your house or give them any greeting. All right. So how do you overcome false doctrine? A. Check the teaching. Does it line up with the word or does it just sound new? And number two, do not receive them. And number three, do not greet them. Now, I know in Christianity, people don't like to hear this. But if you're going to stay away from false doctrine, when you, you see people and they're getting off, he doesn't say to befriend them. He says, don't receive them. He doesn't say to befriend them. He said, don't even give them a greeting. Now, brothers and sisters, you have to understand, when people get into false doctrine, and I'm not talking about just little differences in teaching. I'm talking about things that will affect people's relationship with God. When people start getting into stuff that affects your relationship with God, he said, don't even greet them. Now, if, you, if you're going to keep your doctrines right, if you're going to abide in the teaching and not get into false doctrine, this is how to do it. Listen to the teaching. Does it line up with the word or are they just getting off into, into weird stuff? Now, if it's getting off into weird stuff and it's stuff that can affect your relationship with God, you know, there are some things in the Bible that definitely do show your relationship with God. People always want to talk about, Pastor Summerall, you teach tithing too strong. No, tithing is all about a man's relationship with God. It, it shows his submission to God's authority or, or her submission to God's authority. So when you start getting into things like anything that affects people's relationship with God and you listen to their teaching and they're off, don't receive them and don't even greet them. Now, I know people will hate me for saying things like that, but you know what? I want you to go to heaven and I want to go to heaven. And there are many people that I've known that when I listen to them and I listen to their, their weird, you know, they're really getting off into some heresy. They're getting off into things that will destroy people's personal relationship with God. Like I listened to a preacher one time say there is no such thing as personal worship. You know what? I won't even receive that guy into my house. Wow. When I hear people say, you don't need to read the Bible, just listen to me and read my books. I don't ever want to hear them again. You see, anything that would cause me not to abide in the teachings of Christ, I don't want to hear. Now, if somebody's going to, you know, have a difference of theology of, of you know, different little doctrines, like somebody's going to be post-trib or mid-trib or no-trib, you know, or pre-trib rapture or amillennialist, you know, these aren't things that are going to tear up people's salvation. So fine, we just, we just love people, all right? But anything that's going to affect someone's personal relationship with God, you check the teaching and then you do not receive them and you do not give them any greeting. Just stay away. Again, you can hate me for it, but that's what the scripture says. Whoever greets him takes part in his wicked deeds. And I just put a big wow next to that. 
if I if I greet them and I give credibility, see, because when you greet them, you are giving credibility. Now, when I greet them and give them my credibility, I'm taking part in their wicked works. And these are wicked works. Any, any propagation or any pushing of a doctrine that does not, that, that will in any way hinder people's relationship with God, that's a wicked work. He said, though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. Now, why is joy complete? <laughs> you minister face to face. That this is, you, say, well, you know, Pastor Summer, we have technology today. They had technology in their day also. Their technology was paper and ink. But you know what? With paper and ink, I hate writing people letters. I'm so glad we can just do a FaceTime call. I'm so glad for telephones. Because when you write a letter, people can't hear your tone of voice. They can't see the expression on your face. They can't look at you and feel the heart of love that you have for them. So when you, you start saying strong things, it's really easy for people to get offended by writing. But now, and some of you need to remember this with your Facebook, okay? Some of you really need to remember that with your Facebook. But talk face to face. This is where joy is made complete. The children of your elect sister, this is another local church. Children of your like sister, greet you. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Our Old Testament passage today picks up with the book of Hosea chapter 1. Now, from the very beginning, we begin to see a stage set. I want you to notice the word of the Lord came to Hosea. Hosea means salvation. His name means salvation. So this is like a beacon of salvation, a beacon of light for the people of Israel. The son of Barry, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam and the son Joash, king of Israel. All right, so his ministry was during the reign of one, two, three, four kings of Judah, the northern two tribes, and one, two kings of Israel, which would be the ten tribes. Now, so he's in this period where there's a huge amount of sin and idolatry and corruption taking place. And really, it's kind of a story of God's love reaching out to people who were rebelling against him. And it's, well, we'll see as we get into it. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, first spoke, the Lord said to Hosea, go take yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Now, you look at that and you go, <laughs> what? In other words, he tells, you, he tells him, go marry a prostitute. Go marry a prostitute. And have children with a prostitute. Now, his life... was to be a living prophecy. And really, a living prophecy that, you know what, no matter how much you love somebody, they can turn against you. No matter what chance you give somebody, they can turn against you. And that's really kind of the story of Hosea. Hosea marries this woman and gives her a new opportunity at life, and she's unfaithful to him. The same that Israel and Judah were with God. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Call him Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. All right? So the end of the ten tribes, that area destroyed, what we often call today Samaria. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. This, we sometimes call this the, the valley of Armageddon, that big Jezreel valley that we look at. When we're in Armageddon and we look down over that great valley, that's the great Jezreel valley. She conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, call her name No Mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel. These are the 10 tribes. To forgive them at all. He said, there, there comes a point mercy ended. Now, I don't ever want to think of that in my life. That, that's one of those verses that, that I put big question marks on and go, I'm so happy for the blood of Jesus. <laughs> so happy for the blood of Jesus. He said, I'll have no more mercy on them. He said, and I won't, because there's no mercy, there'll be no forgiveness for them. And you just, I'm so thankful for Jesus. 
But I will have mercy on the house of Judah. These are the two tribes. And I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. I will save them by the Lord their God. Now, how salvation, deliverance came. It came by God. When she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, call his name, not my people, for you are not my people and I am not your God. In other words, rejected. Yet the number of the people of Israel shall be like, need to get that up there for you. I'll leave that here as I'll work out a little bit farther. And the Lord said, call his name, not my people, for you are not my people and I am not your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel, these are the ten tribes, shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it is said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said, children of the living God. All right, so here's the future hope. <laughs> in other words, they're not going to cease to exist. There is hope. God never takes away hope from people. And, and that's a principle I try to get in every leader. No matter how bad people screw up, never take hope away from people. And the children of Judah, now we're dealing with the two tribes, and the children of Israel, the ten tribes, shall be gathered together. And they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. This is a reuniting of the twelve tribes under one leader. Not, not just a peace armistice between two nations, a full reuniting of the, ten, of the 12 tribes. Chapter 2, verse 1. Say to your brothers, you are my people, and to your sisters, you have received mercy. Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife and I am not her husband, that she put away her whoring from her face and her adultery from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and make her as in the day she was reborn, and make her like a wilderness, and make her like a parched land, and kill her with thirst. Upon her children also I will have no mercy, for they are the children of whoredom. For their mother has played the whore. Who she conceived them has acted shamefully, for she said, I will go after my lovers, who will give me my bread and my water, my wool, my flax, my oil, and my drink. All right. This is the heart of prostitution, okay? This is the heart of prostitution. Give me my bread, my wool, my water, my wool, my flax, my oil, and my drink. Therefore, I will hedge her up her way with thorns, and I will build a wall against her so she cannot find her paths. She shall pursue her lovers, but not overtake them. She shall seek them, but not find them. Then she shall say, I will go and return to my first husband, who is better for me then than now. For it was better for me then than now. And she did not know that it was I. So in other words, return to God. All, all these other false gods that Israel went after and Judah went after, this is considered whoredom. This is considered spiritual adultery. Idolatry is spiritual adultery. And he said, you know, I'm going to go back. I will go and return to my first husband. I'm going to come back to God. The nation says, for, for God was better to me then, for it was better for me then with God than now. 
and she did not know that it was I, God, who gave her the grain, the wine, the oil, and who lavished her with silver and gold, which they used for Baal, grave talega. God said, I gave it, and they used it for demon worship. They used the blessings for idolatry. Therefore, I will take back my grain in its time and my wine in its season, and I will take back my wool, my flax, with which were to cover her nakedness. Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and no one shall rescue her out of my hand. And I will put an end to all her mirth, her feasts, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and her appointed feasts. And I will lay waste her vines and her fig trees, of which she said, These are my wages which my lovers have given me. <laughs> See, they, Israel, claimed idols provided. God said, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me. The, these demons, these lovers, these idols, they didn't give you anything. I will make them a forest and beasts of the field shall devour them. I will punish her for the feast days of the Baals when she burnt offerings to them and adorned, her, adorned herself in her ring and jewelry and went after her lovers and forgot me, declares the Lord. Wow. So idolatry forgets God. Idolatry forgets God. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. I will bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Ankhor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, at the time when she came up out of Egypt. God said, <laughs> God draws back. See, it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Remember that. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. And no longer will you call me my Baal. For I will remove the names of Baals from her mouth. And they shall be remembered by name no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the creeping things on the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and the war of the land, and I will make you lie down in safety. And I will betroth you to me forever. And I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. And I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. And you shall know the Lord. <laughs> Restoration, whoops. of relationship. In that day, I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. And the earth shall answer the grain, the wine, the oil, and they shall answer Jezreel. And I will sow her for myself and the land. And I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. <laughs> Total restoration. God always draws his people back. And the Lord said to me, chapter 3, verse 1, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethish of barley. And I said to her, now, in other words, Hosea goes, 
and buys back his wife. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days, and you shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. And afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. And they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. <laughs> oh, there is a day coming when the children of Israel will return and seek their God. But for many days, and these are the days that we're living in right now, Israel does not have a king or prince. There is no sacrifice. There is no pillar. There is no ephod. There are no household gods. These are barren times for Israel. But they shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. And they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in latter days. I wish you could be with me in Israel at a soccer match where the people of Israel begin to sing a song about the return of the return of Messiah. And you see 30,000 people or however many that stadium holds right by the big shopping mall singing about the coming of the Messiah. There is something happening in Israel today. Something powerful is happening. I just had an old friend who's a Jew and he's a wonderful friend and a good friend. And he, he sent me a text message the other day. The Messiah is coming soon. I just sat there with tears coming down my face. Israel, if you want to see the great, I don't even know what to call it. You want to see where all of prophecy culminates. Go look at Israel. See what is happening there. Jesus is coming soon. All right, we'll see you tonight as we get back into the Book of Romans.